as I preach, as you, as you listen, as you engage, like just pray and pray that we'd receive God's word as it is. That, that it's not about me, it's about the scriptures. That, that he would reveal himself to us. Would you pray that as we go through? Now, I'm one of those kind of people who, um, who builders and plumbers hate. Cat laughs at me for this. When builders and plumbers come round, they, uh, I don't know, they come to do the boiler or come to fix a leaky pipe or whatever it is, I love to watch. I don't know if you're the same. And, and evidently, I've, I've, got a, I've got a plumber friend, and he says it's one of the most irritating things that he ever experiences is when he's trying to fix the boiler and the owner of the house or the, the, the tenant or whatever is standing behind, like, watching intently. It creates this hugely intense situation for the plumber. But I love it because I love to know how things work. Does anyone else like that? Anyone like to know how things work, like the workings of things? I love it. So I kind of think, I mean, I say to Kat, like, I'll watch this time. The next time I can do it, you know. I can, I can change the boiler parts, but no. Very dangerous. Don't do it yourself. Um, or it's, it's, it's a bit like um, Christian conferences. If, if you've ever been to Christian conferences, you sit in the crowd, in the congregation, in the audience. And you, as, you, as you sit there, you see people come up on the stage or perhaps a band or, I don't know, all sorts of things happen up on the front. And I've had the joy of being able to speak at some of these conferences over the years. And I love it, not only because I get to preach and speak and tell people about Jesus, but because I get to go behind the scenes and see how it all works. I'm a bit of a geek, so I love going behind the scenes and seeing like all, the, all the techie people and seeing all the screens lined up and all the, the mixing desks and all the cables. And as I walk up, this guy would come and put a microphone on me and all he's got in there. And then you get to go through the black curtains and onto the stage and you have the lighting systems, all that kind of thing. I love, I love the behind the scenes stuff. And, and as we go through Revelation, I want you to keep that in mind that that God is calling you out from the crowd, out from the audience, and he's inviting you to join him to see what's going on and what, what's going on behind the scenes, how it works. Because Revelation is a book that spells out exactly what's going on in the world around us. If you're anything like me, you sit and you ponder and you wonder and you think and you process and, and you know there's, some, like, there's something going on in this world. There's, there's things happening that are bigger than just me and my life and my existence or people. And whatever you want to call that, maybe, maybe for you, you, you say that's God. God is working behind the scenes. Maybe you're here tonight and you're like, I don't know what I think about this. I'm interested. And, and God says, come and join me on this journey. I want to show you exactly what's going on. I want to show you the workings of it all. I want to open your minds. I want to blow your minds away so that you can see and hear and understand, hopefully a little bit, just a little bit, of what's going on behind the scenes. God doesn't just want us to, to see and understand and, and, and realize what's going on behind the scenes as we go through the book of Revelation, but rather he wants us to know it, yes, and to let it impact us. And so as we go through this series, there's going to be a lot of weird and wacky things that hopefully we're going to bring down to earth and apply and, and show how these things can change our lives. And so my hope and prayer is that we won't only understand the book of Revelation in our minds, but that we will believe it in our hearts and that we will be changed by the scriptures as the spirit moves in us. So you with me? You with me in this? You can say yeah. <laughs> now, who is, 
who is God to invite us behind the scenes? I want to show you a couple of verses just to start with. And so open up your Bibles to Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. And we're going to focus today just on the first five verses of this first chapter. But I want to show you a couple of reasons. How, how can God invite us to, to see the behind the scenes? Who is he to, to do this? Who is he to say, I know what's going on and I want to show you what's going on? Maybe you're a skeptic here tonight. Maybe you're unsure. And I want us to be certain that, that we should listen to God as he does this. So Revelation chapter 1, look at verse 2. Who testifies to everything he saw, that is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. See, as we go through this, the words that we hear are from a guy called John, but passed to him through the Spirit and ultimately from Jesus. And so Jesus is the one whose words are written here and we get to read them. And secondly, look at, look at verse 4, it's in there, and look at verse 8 as well. God says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, that's the first and last letter of the Greek alphabet, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. This is actually the tagline for, for our series, you'll see it on your little cards right down the bottom, who is and who was and who is to come. How has God got the authority to tell us what's going on behind the scenes? Why should we listen to him? Because he's outside of time. He's the one who made us and he's the one who existed long before we did. And he's the one who will take us into eternity. These are Jesus' words. And God is the one who is outside of time. We should listen to him. Now, I'm sure, has anyone heard the book of Revelation taught before? Okay, very few. Few of us. I've heard it taught before a couple of times. One was really good and one was a bit dodgy, if I'm honest. And, um, and, and often if you, if you Google like Revelation sermons or whatever, like there's a lot of weird and wacky stuff out there. And, and it's often been taught not in a helpful way. I think that's caused a lot of fear and anxiety about the future. And as we go through, I, like I want us to, this to become clear. God makes it clear for us. So, so I can tell you some things outright, right at the start. I can tell you this for free. The vaccine is not the mark of the beast. I can tell you that for free. I can tell you that Trump is not the beast. I can tell you that Putin is not the Antichrist with his 666 missiles. And I can go on. Because as we go through Revelation, we're going to see a number of things that impact our world today. But we're going to see a number of big principles that are not necessarily applied to particular situations or events in the past. But that help us to understand what God is doing behind the scenes. And we get to join him in that journey and step out from the audience. It's not those things. Rather, I want Revelation to give us faith that is brave. And if by the end of this series, we're, we're one step forwards in bravery in our faith, then I think that's good. That's a good goal. Brave faith. So, here's how it's going to work. We've got 12 weeks that we're going to spend in Revelation with a gap in the middle for a prayer evening or worship evening or something. And it's, it's, it's going to be a long, a long series, and I hope you're with me in this, because it's really, really cool. And, and, and I, want to, I want to kind of take today to just fill you in on some of the context 
and to fill you in on where we're going. So, so first of all, let me give you some, some of the structural overview. Okay, here's where we're going. Here's the big structure of the book of Revelation. There's three parts that you need to know about. Okay, part one, part two, part three. That's how it works. Part one, we're going we're gonna to start today. You've got three sections. You've got an introduction in chapter one. Then you've got seven letters to seven churches describing like how they can keep running the race of faith. And then you've got, in chapters four to five, this big scene of God on his throne in, in, in heaven and Jesus the Lamb. That's the first section. The second part is from chapters six through to 16. And there we see a lot of description about God's judgment and his work in the world today, good versus evil. And we see that in three different ways. So chapter 6 to 8, it talks about seven seals. Seven's a really important number in the book of Revelation. I'll tell you that later. Uh, Chapters 8 to 11, we get seven trumpets. Then we have a little interval with seven signs. And then we come back for seven bowls in chapters 15 to 16. So we've got lots of sevens, different views uh, of of, of a similar thing in part two. And then part three is the kind of climax of the book where we see the fall of Babylon, 17 to 19. We see this final battle that takes place And then in the final two chapters, we see a beautiful moment where there's a marriage of heaven and earth, of Jesus and his people. So that's where we're going. If you want to to write that down or something afterwards, come and and chat to me afterwards. I'm more than happy to take you through it. And and so today we're going to focus on what this book is about. And today's going to be a bit of an introduction so that we we can... run at it for the next couple of weeks. Is that right? So here's what I want to do. I want to read the first five verses, and then we're going to think about three things that the book of Revelation is. That's where we're going today. So Revelation chapter 1, verse 1. The revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John, who testifies to everything he saw. That is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, Grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. There's three key things in there that I want us to see today. Three things that we need to know about Revelation before we delve into it. And the first one is this. Revelation is a letter. It says that in verse verse 4, doesn't it? It it says who it's from and who it's to. It says John. They used to to put the, the... who it's from at the top, and then who it's to after that. I don't know why. John, 
to the seven churches in the province of Asia. This is a letter. And that's really important. It was a, it was a written letter to particular people in a particular time. And, and that's really important for two reasons. I love what Matt Chandler says. He says this, it cannot mean to us what it did not mean to them. So when we read this, we've got to think all the way through, what does this mean for the original audience? As you go through any book of the Bible, it's really good to think, what does this mean for them at that time? And, and as we go through, we'll see what they were going through, the people, the Christians in these days. And it was pretty horrific. And the second thing is this, this was written for us, not to us. And that's a really important distinction. Like, it would be really arrogant of us, wouldn't it, to sit here and say, like, God has planned for this to be written to us 2,000 years after it was written or whatever. It's just for us, like St. James Muswell Hill today. No, this is written for us. We can learn lots from it, but it was written to a specific people a while ago. Yeah? Are you with me? Does that make sense? We need to keep that in mind as we go through. It's a letter. It was probably written around 96 A.D., by John, who was probably Jesus' closest disciple. And 96 AD follows 30 years of the most intense and barbaric persecution on God's people that has probably been experienced in many, many, many years. We've just finished the book of Acts a couple of series ago at the gathering. And we saw there the explosive power of the church, didn't we? to reach out from Jerusalem to all Judea to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And it started off small. It started off pretty insignificant, but God grew it massively. And things looked great. Things were going well. God's work was expanding. But then hit a number of Roman emperors who smashed Christianity down and down and down and down. Let me tell you about a few of them. In 65 AD, Nero, you've probably heard of Nero. The cafe is named after him. He launches his first persecution. This is the first main persecution from the government on Christians. The government come out and say, we don't like Christians. In 69 AD, Roman emperor called Vespasian used Christians as human torches. He dipped them in oil and set them alight to be examples. This is what they believe. In 70 AD, one of the darkest years in Christian history, Jerusalem is destroyed, the temple is annihilated, and Paul and Peter and Timothy, three of the like massive writers in the New Testament, are all publicly executed. Can you imagine that? Like, all the leaders of the church in London taken out in public and lynched or whatever. This is what's going on here for the people. In 92 AD, Domitian called himself, get this, he gave himself the title Dominus a Deus, I don't know how you say it, and that means master and God. He denied Christianity because he set up himself as God, and if you didn't worship him as God, you were killed. So do you see this massive trajectory of persecution against Christians here, and we've got to understand this, this context, this setting, as we approach the book of Revelation, because it's written to real people in real times who are struggling, and who don't want to put their neck above the parapet, because they're fearful, and they're scared, and the repercussions 
are big. And, it, and this is going to make much more sense when next week we look at the seven churches, the seven letters to them. This is all going to click into place at that point. And the pressure for them, you can imagine, to, to fit in with the Roman way and to denounce Jesus and, and to just do whatever the Romans said, the fear of persecution. You, you can imagine the scene, can't you? So that's the first thing. Revelation is a letter. Second thing I want us to see is that Revelation is a prophecy. A prophecy. That's there in verse 3. Let's read that. Verse 3. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. Great for us. And blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it. Because the time is near. Prophecy is simply God's word given through a prophet, a human being, to people. So there's loads of prophets throughout the scriptures, throughout the Bible, who have taken word from God and given it to the people. We're not talking about kind of future prophecy here, where like someone predicts something's going to happen in God's name. We're talking about prof- prophecy in direct. This is like now, God giving his word to John and him giving it to the people. God's word through John. And there's a couple of things that we need to, we need to keep in mind as we think about this book. Number one, we can't view Revelation in a linear way. In our way of thinking, we think this happens, then this happens, then this happens, then this happens, don't we? And that's generally how everything works in movies, in books, in the news, in our conversations. That's how life works. But that's really dangerous to read Revelation that way because it's not in order. It's not a systematic this, then this, then that, then that. Because you, you, you get things like the end of the world multiple times at different points throughout the book. You get it flitting to, to the future, and then it goes back to Jesus' birth, and then it, it keeps jumping around. So we've got to keep that in mind as well, that it's not linear, but rather perhaps different perspectives on similar things. And then secondly, we, we also we need to understand that there's some things that we read that seem impossible, that are just quite confusing. So, so for example, there's... Um, flick over in your Bibles to chapter 5. Let's, let's do a little example together. Um, in chapter 5, which we'll get to in a few weeks, let me read verses 1 to 6. Chapter 5, verse 1. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth, could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb, looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center, and it goes on. You see, he hears this description that's of a lion, and then he turns, and he sees a lamb. Impossible. And so as we go through, we're going to see lots of things like this, lots of impossibilities that you think, that just doesn't really match up. And so as we go through, we need to pay close attention to when John says things like, I looked, or I heard, and then I turned, and I saw. We need to listen to those kind of phrases uh, it's, it's the same thing from different angles. 
So perhaps from a lamb and perhaps from a lion, we can learn different things. As we'll see in the third thing that we need to see today, it's a letter, it's a prophecy. And the third thing is that Revelation is apocalypse. Apocalypse. And when we think of apocalypse, you think of the end of the world, don't you? That's it. End, finished, done. But here, the actual original meaning of apocalypse is slightly different. It's right there in verse 1 of chapter 1. It says, the revelation from Jesus Christ. That word revelation is apocalypsis in the Greek. Apocalypse. It, it literally means an unveiling. Something that's hidden being made clear. It's the behind-the-scenes look, isn't it? So, as, as we go through, let's keep an eye out for these scenes as the curtain is pulled back. As we get to peer in to what God is up to, as we get to see what's going on in the world around us and and figure out what it means for us. Keep an ear out for those kind of things. Because we're all about facts, aren't we? And this type of writing is very different to what we're used to. So we love like numbers and sequences and all that kind of thing. But here, Revelation, apocalyptic writing, is all about images, Now, that can seem a bit weird to us because we're not used to reading apocalyptic writing. I don't know, maybe some people are, but I'm not. The people then would have known it so well. They would have read it like Christian apocalyptic writing and, and just normal fiction apocalyptic writing. So they were used to it. They know how to understand it. We don't, so we've got to work hard at it, right? So when you get people, they're often represented as animals. Or you get colors and numbers that have meaning and purpose. You get historical events that are often illustrated by natural disasters like earthquakes or eruptions or disasters. And and the people then in 9680 would have known this really well. And here's the thing, here's the best way that you can prepare for this series as we go through Revelation. The best thing you can do is get to know your Old Testament. The people then would have known it so well. And as they read through this, this, this illuminating book, they would have seen like, oh, yeah, that's from Isaiah. Oh, that's, that's talking about the Exodus. This is about Leviticus. And, and if you want to get to know Revelation in the best possible way, if you want to invest in this, read through the Old Testament. It's a long book, but you can do it, I don't know. And the more you know your Old Testament, the richer this book is going to become. Why is it written like this? Why is it written with lots of images that are hard to crack? Why doesn't it just spell it out? Why doesn't it just say it as it is? And I think the answer is because it stirs us up. It does something that facts and figures doesn't really do for us. So I can stand here and I can say, God is powerful. He is awesome. He is holy. There's no one like him. Or I can read to you Revelation 1 verses 9 to 20. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. I turn round to see the voice that was speaking to me. 
And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, and with a golden sash round his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow. And his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace. And his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun, shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I'm the living one. I was dead And now look, I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Do you see, we could stand here and have facts and figures, but this, we might not understand everything that was said there, but this captivates our imagination, doesn't it? And as we go through Revelation, we'll see that all of these different things and colors and objects and animals and numbers all have meanings and purposes that we can learn loads of great things from. And as we go through, if, if there's one thing that we're kind of wary of, or one thing that we, that we can understand, is this, that there is a very real enemy out there who is willing to take any measure to deceive and distort and to deny Jesus. As you go through Revelation, you see this battle of good and evil. Who's going to overcome? Who's going to win? Will God's people stay faithful? Will they be victorious or will they pack it in and join the rest of the world? And and this enemy will want to rob us of any joy and passion that we have. And if anything, this book is a wake-up call to the Christian. Keep going with brave faith. Because it will change how we view things. And I want to encourage you that, that, that as we... You might think, like, why are we doing this book now? Why, like, there's no particular reason other than we're, we're like, we want to teach the whole of the scriptures at St. James. And Revelation is a hard book, but we're going to give it a go. We might not get everything right, but by the grace of God, we'll, we'll, we'll give it a go. And, and it's not because things are going wrong in the world right now that are specific to here or, or anything like that. And, and God's in heaven just kind of panicking and being like, oh, no, oh, no, everything's going wrong. Not, not because of that. No, in fact, it's to spur us on and to encourage us. In fact, for the people then, in in the midst of their persecution, they didn't know that in 280 AD, a new Roman emperor would come into power called Constantinople. And he would declare the Roman Empire to be a Christian empire. Or in 350 AD, years after they existed, Constans I who was big on the Trinity, a Christian himself, at that time, 56.5% of the population believed that Jesus was Lord. That's 34 million people at that time. If you like, where, where have you got that from, Dave? I've got it from a sociologist called Rodney Stark. And as he set out to investigate the early church and the booming of Christianity after Acts, he wasn't a believer. But as he wrote it, he came to faith. 
as he saw this incredible news of the gospel going out. Wouldn't that give you a bit of courage to know that God works behind the scenes and he invites you in to see what's going on so that you can better understand your world and be best placed in the here and now to share the gospel, to live a holy life, to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow Jesus with everything you've got. And, and, and the enemy wants you to sleep. He wants you to be blind to these things. He doesn't want you to understand because then you're going to be best equipped to battle him, right? God wants us to be wide awake. He wants you to step out from the audience and come with him. See how the wires work. See how the screens are set up. See what he's up to. Let him show you. Let him help you understand. And let it change the way you view today. And, and if you're here and you're not someone who's a Christian, then you're probably freaked out by this. That's all right. We are too. Don't worry. I want to show you this beautiful verse in verse 5, halfway through. Talking about Jesus, it says, To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. God is building a people. And he's showing them how everything works behind the scenes. And the way to be in that is to receive all that Jesus has done. In his love, he's freed us from our sins by his death on the cross. And so today, I want to finish um, by reading verses 4 to 6. Let's read these together. Because this, this book should result in our praise. It should result in us glorifying God, bringing him praise and glory. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits before his throne and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. 